Welcome to another episode of the Leaders in Education podcast, the official podcast for the Charlevoix-Emmett Intermediate School District, featuring voices in education. My name is Mike Haynes, and I'm the Director of Instructional Services at the Charlevoix-Emmett Intermediate School District. Today, it's my pleasure to be talking with Kelly Wilson, Lakeview High School teacher and facilitator of the Regional English Language Arts Collaborative. Kelly, thank you for talking with me today. It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking me to join you. Yeah, so I'd like to start by asking if you would just tell our listeners a little bit about your current role at Lakeview High School. Okay, I started working teaching at Lakeview in 2006. Um, It's a very unique school. It's small, um, and it is specifically for adjudicated youth. We work, um, we're partners with the Seventh Probate Court. So Mm -hmm. I provide that academic piece and together we provide programming to support the needs of um, all of our students. I have ninth through 12th in one classroom. Um, so it's, it's interesting that it really does have that feeling of a one-room schoolhouse, but um, um, the technology provides the academic piece to that too. Mm-hmm. So I just make sure to add the creativity. Well, and I'm going to spur this on you. So we're sitting in a room, as you said, it looks very much like a one-room schoolhouse. There's art everywhere. Can mm-hmm. you just sort of walk our listeners around what I see in here right now? Um, sure. So on the wall, I have, um, it was called a month metaphor calendar, and it is artwork and poetry written by previous Lakeview students. And we used to put them together um, for calendars. i might do that again this year and each month becomes a person so if march were to walk in the room what does he or she look like how is he behaving based you know of course on the month of um, march and then i have a bunch of positive posters on the wall and vincent van gogh and um, other artwork that students have done over the years maybe photography over there a student added a flower a day wow. to a collage so I framed it and put it at her seat which will remain there forever That's very cool. <laughs> so it's sort of a celebration of creativity um, because it's so important to me and it's really important to do all of those hard rigorous core academic courses too um, but we do believe in balance here Sure. What a great way to motivate students. You've got a great view of downtown Petoskey and I the do. bay. Um, so yes, it's wonderful. I can it's, imagine students yes. would love to be here. They really do. <laughs> um, yes, and plus we have a dog here. So it's, to me, the um, perfect way to school. I've been really lucky to Absolutely. work here. Absolutely. Yes. So you also have a strong background in English language arts. What led you to pursue that over other subject areas? Um, so first of all, teaching on its own, really young, um, sixth grade, I had a teacher I loved and I pictured standing at the board (laughs) and teaching with him and sort of wondered how you went about doing that. Um, and then by 11th grade, I had, um, a dragon teacher in 10th grade who said to me, why aren't you in, in advanced English? And I said, I don't know. And she said, well, get ready. You're going in 11th grade, that teacher, Patrick Jocks, who, um, sadly just passed away. He was my mentor. He used to refer to me as his prodigy. And um, I decided in his class that I was going to become an English teacher. And I have never regretted it. That's great to know that so early Mm -hmm. into your life. Mm -hmm. So in addition to your work here at Lakeview, you also lead our regional ELA collaborative. Can you tell our listeners about what that is? Sure. So the collaborative, um, the idea of it is for all English teachers to come together for a day of learning. We actually do three days. Um, I started attending it very early on. I can't even remember how long it was 
um, before I started leading it that I attended, but it was led by Pam Saganic for years and I loved going. Um, and it really was a way to get out of the classroom and work with like minds. And you just left feeling inspired and wonderful and just had all these great best practices um, and teaching ideas. So in 2017, Pam Saganic approached me and said, um, we are looking for someone to take over the collaborative. I'm taking on several other roles and asked me if I would be interested. Um, I was extremely intimidated initially. I can teach to the mafia with no problem without bring. <laughs> I, I can teach. <laughs> I can teach to you know bring me to prison. I will teach these people with no problem and not sweat. Um, that first collaborative, I thought, what? Who do you think you are, and what are you doing here? <laughs> um, just Pam was so eloquent, and it felt like stepping into some really fancy shoes. Sure, um, but. I decided to do the same thing that I do in the classroom, which was run it in the same way that I would want to attend it um, and make it a day that was fun for me to facilitate. And the best way I know how to do that is not make it about me, but we. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, I have two wonderful people from the Great Lakes Center of the Arts. Um, it's Rachel Sistma Reed and um, Sistma Reed and Bob Brill, and they are doing a reader's theater. Um, mm. And we just have teachers that present, and we have a core text that we always use. This year, it is authentic literacy instruction. So um, it's true collaboration. They need yeah. teachers need time to talk to each other, to share ideas, to share concerns, to brainstorm. And um, I just sort of mix that all into a bowl, and it's wonderful because of the educators that attend these collaboratives. You know, I've heard nothing but wonderful things about the work you've done. Oh, and, thank you. And I agreed that uh, Pam has big shoes to fill. And yes. I know that uh, you've filled those. And, you know, to you know, something you said about presenting to your peers is nerve-wracking. It and really I, is. That is <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Truth be told, when I would attend and they would go around the room and you had to say your name and, and where you taught, my heart would start beating even then. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I have been teaching for, you know, 20-some years. Why am I nervous? So the level of of insecurity I felt at first, um, but like all things, and this is, I shared that with my students. And one of my students said, don't worry, you're gonna fail completely. And someone will <laughs> someone will record you and it will go viral. And it made me laugh, yeah. it made me realize um, I was stressing out probably about a small thing, but it makes you grow. Sure. Whenever you do anything hard, it makes you grow. And so all of those lessons I bring back to my students about how scary and difficult it was for me to do that one thing. And now I so thoroughly enjoy it, enjoy it sure. and I look forward to it. So, um, and we've overcome a lot of challenges. We made it through COVID when it was virtual and it was really hard for us to meet. And so last year in person was a rebuilding year. Um, and, um, and it's really hard for teachers to get away from their classes. There aren't subs. Um, they're overwhelmed. Teacher burnout is really real. Mm -hmm. I, I am not one about toxic positivity when you're struggling. And even just the practical issue of getting subs sure. to cover classrooms and, and trust that they're going to be in good hands or even having someone to watch over them while you're gone is a struggle. So we're rebuilding, um, but the very last collaborative last year felt wonderful, felt That's very good. much like it used to. So, Well, as you mentioned, there are a lot of reasons why um, people would not be interested in adding something to their plate, but to yes. the fact that they're attending these events and says a lot about your leadership and what a great life lesson to be able to share 
your nerves with your students and that you overcame those. Yes, very much. So what do you have planned for the collaborative this year? Okay, so I referenced them um, earlier, but um, one of the teachers, so many of the teachers have connected Mm -hmm. me with all these wonderful people. Glenn Mm -hmm. Young, um, he connected me with the Little Traverse Bay Conservancy with Sue and Bill Calso, who do the Good Heart Artist Residency. And so I'm actually... um, I'm on a panel with Glenn. I bring both of those up this weekend because I have had five authors from the Good Heart Artist Residency either present at the collaborative or and or in my classroom with my students, oh, and they great. teach them writing skills, and we write together. So um, they've come and presented um, at our collaborative virtually. Two of them did, and then um, Rachel and Bob from the Great Lakes Center from the Arts, like I said, are, they're doing image theater. Um, and I really only take one collaborative at a time because it mm-hmm. takes a lot to, it, it's, it's a six hour day. Um, but there are so many things that I'm kind of gathering as I go sure. and deciding what I'm going to add. Um, so they are presenting image theater, which is, um, taking it back to the classroom so that students can learn and they can dialogue on meaningful topics and really rehearse taking action on issues that matter to them. Um, which I think is an amazing concept. We want kids to have the ability to speak up, sort of that saying about Mm -hmm. speak the truth even if your voice shakes. Um, And I love that. And then Rachel um, Kukuski from Pelston High School, She we we try to have a um, teacher presentation where they share just what they're doing in the classroom. And then that's a springboard for other people to share, oh, this is what I'm doing too, or how to integrate that lesson that was just taught into something that's currently going on. Whether you're in fifth grade or you're teaching seniors, it's all these wonderful ideas that sort of just pile on top of each other. And it really is fun and it's a true collaborative effort. And at the end of the day, without exception, everyone says, this is exactly what I needed because teaching is such a lonesome profession Mm -hmm. and it is collective efficacy in action. It's wonderful. It's a really good feeling. Well, this sounds incredible. So how many people generally participate? So pre-COVID, we were in like the mid-30s. We could barely fit into the Emmett room. We were bursting at the seams. I almost even got too warm in there, too crowded. Um, And so at one point, Scott talked to me and said, we're thinking of a newer, fancier venue for you. So, <laughs> and I know what the venue is, but I don't yeah. want to say that. So I would love to have our numbers be so big again, that we expand out of that room. I mean, we had teachers from Joburg to Central Lake to Beaver Island to Sheboygan. Right. There's not another collaborative that I know of about in the area. So people were traveling from very far away just to have that day focusing solely on English teacher stuff. So now, though, it's about 15 to 17 COVID. It was about seven or eight who would show up virtually, but it was after school. And we know all the reasons why that happened. That was definitely understandable that we were all riding that struggle bus during COVID. So (laughs) So if someone is listening to this conversation Mm -hmm. and they want to sign up, they can probably just go to our website, right? Yes. And go to professional learning and sign up. Yep. I send out um, an email. I have a whole listserv of ELA teachers, but there's been some who have left. There's been new ones who have been added on. So I always encourage them to forward it to somebody in the building. My goal right now would be, it would be wonderful if one representative per school could come and then sort of take turns. We have three opportunities to attend. So 
maybe somebody can't come in the fall because they're um, coaching cross country and they just have to be right back at the school after school or after the school day ends, but maybe they can come for the February collaborative. So um, the more people that come and can share and bring it back would be really, really awesome sure. to do. So. Well, I, for one, am looking forward to, to hearing your guests and being there as, as this gets started this year. Oh, we'd love to have you there. So I'm going to shift a little bit and tap into your experience as an educator and alternative uh, settings as well as your English language arts experience. Okay. So, um, you know, years ago there was a debate over whether students should be allowed to use calculators in school. Mm -hmm. Then then came the whether students should be able to use phones or tablets. Mm -hmm. And now artificial intelligence or AI has crept up on the scene. Uh, AI has been around for a while, but mm -hmm. now it's really... Uh, taken hold as, as teachers and students are potentially using it in the classroom. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on, on AI? So that is, I'm glad you brought that up. And I, of course, had that on my agenda. You can't have things like that be on the radar where we're all sort of thinking about it and talking about it separately and not make it part of our day. Mm -hmm. So I have a TED Talk plan that is um, particularly about AI in the classroom in an article. And what I do is I share that. I share the article. I let each teacher respond individually. And we already have the mindset that all opinions and responses are welcome and are valid. Um, mm -hmm. It's supposed to be a safe space for all teachers to share how they're feeling. And some teachers, of course, are very angry and very resentful and want none of this in the classroom. Others are like, I don't even really know what this is, and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And others are like, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. It's here to stay. Let's go. How can we use it? So we will give time and space for all of those opinions um, to share. And and it's not even, ever going to be my opinion. But if I were to express my opinion, I would say, based on previous experience, you can't make something go away just because you don't like it. Right. Um, and that... It's one of those things that could be used for great good, and it can be used for great e evil, um, evil with quotes around it. Of course. <laughs> well, we, we know it can be scary when you have the people creating it saying, there's almost sentient beings. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, right, right. they can think about the way they think, they can smell, they can taste. Um, they, again, with quotes around it. But for our purposes, um, how can we teach students to use it ethically and smartly? And my rose-colored glasses tell me that original thought, that genuine flawed creativity is going to reign all the more mm -hmm. because AI cannot do that. It right. can't replicate what we as human beings originally think of. Um, so, and I, so I think that will become all the more valued, not because it's so perfect like AI does, mm -hmm. but because it is a little bit flawed and that will be the indicator that it's a genuine piece of art or a genuine piece of writing. So it'll be an interesting discussion. Sure. Um, we're just right on the cusp of it, probably really getting into our schools and what does that mean for the writing community and what we're teaching as writers. And I don't have an easy answer for that. It really is a, um, it's going to be a difficult thing to address. There's not going to be a simple answer. It's pretty complex. Is that something that the ELA Collaborative is going to deal with? Or yes. Talk about? Oh, okay. yeah, for sure. That's what we'll do. Um, okay. We'll do that as a whole. And then I've already spoken to Aaron Lucart, who's, who's oh, sort of our local uh, guru when it comes to technology in sure. the classrooms. And so she couldn't come to this collaborative, but... It won't be something we talk about one and done. So there'll already be new updates and changes when we have our February collaborative. So it'll be kind of cool to to look at like what we mm -hmm. talked about here in October and use it as a segue into what she has to add on about what she's learned and what her her insights are. So um, I'm pretty sure um, she will be coming in February to present. 
That's great. Yeah. So we've been covering a lot of ground here. So mm-hmm. what do you do to stay sharp and stay uh, excited about the work? Um, <clears throat> so I feel like, so here's the burden about it that nobody knows. It's a fun burden, but it's a burden that exists that as soon as one collaborative is done, like I have been thinking about the October collaborative and gathering information and researching books to use um, since last April's collaborative. So if I'm on Facebook um, and there's a creative writing mm-hmm. um, for ELA teachers, Facebook page that has 40,000 teachers across America. If I see some post, some idea, some discussion, I save it under teaching. Hmm. Um, if I read an article, if I hear a podcast, if I somebody will email me a, a, just a beautifully written essay and they'll say, Kelly, you should use this at the next collaborative. And I tuck it away. So I have 65 ideas to sort through and I kind of try to do it as a theme Mm -hmm. because it's really that's the biggest task is organizing it and having it make sense and still allowing time for everything um so it's not like i'd ever have too little to go through it's too much and then how do i it's like having a great big rough draft and then how do you get it down to the bones so that everybody gets what they really need from the day but you still allow room for teachers to add their ideas and their discussions so that's, um, I'm always collecting, collecting, collecting. I start a notes page and I just keep adding links and ideas and I have four pages right now for October, oh. so. So you're crowdsourcing the professional learning. I am, that's I am, great. and I love them for it. <laughs> Everybody is, um, when I ask people directly, do you want to present? How do you feel? They're like, yes, I do. And I go, oh, yay. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> because it really isn't, it, facilitating truly is just organizing people and ideas. Yeah. It is not, I'm up there talking all day long. I just move them on to the next thing and then I sit down with them and I become a teacher so the facilitator role is here's what we're doing next and then I sit at the table with my peers and I do the work with them and I fully enjoy that probably more than the facilitating well to an earlier point that takes some creativity and there's an art in that so yeah I'm excited to I see would agree you, with that yeah. yes <laughs> so Kelly is there anything else you'd like to add or share um, no, just an emphasis again on um, on really supporting teachers being not just being allowed, but being encouraged to do this. I welcome feedback um, both from schools and from teachers. I use that to help me plan. Someone said, can we have more time to read quietly? I value that so much. I never get time to do this. So I'm starting the day making sure that we have time to read in the morning because of that one ask. Mm -hmm. So um, providing feedback, providing support for teachers, and looking at how... um, I just, I want, I'm thankful for all the wonderful professional educators I get to meet and have met over the last, what, six years now, five yeah. years that I've been doing this. It's really connected me to some amazing human beings and experiences. It's, it's well, I'm always inspired to hear other people's stories mm-hmm. and I appreciate that you took the time to share yours today. And um, well, thank you for asking me. Yeah, thank you in advance for everything that you're gonna be doing to support our students and uh, language arts teachers in our region. I love it, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Leaders in Education podcast. Please check out our archive for past episodes. And remember, the great thing about learning is that you never have to stop.